Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. My wife and I, when we went on our honeymoon, we went to a tropical honeymoon. We went to uh, St. Lucia. We went to one of those deals where it's all-inclusive. So you just show up, and everything's taken care of. All the food, all everything that you want is just the real deal, man. Uh, so we, we walked in, and we, we got this room. This room was crazy. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but this room had a private pool on the back of it. Are you serious right now? A private pool. Like, I'm opening up the... the the shades on the back glass, and I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. A little private pool. Like, I could do cannonballs, whatever. I don't have to worry about anything right off the back deck. And then beyond that, like, once I got over the little pool, like, beyond that is the ocean. And I'm not talking about North Myrtle Beach ocean, okay? I'm talking about Caribbean ocean. We're talking about white sand. We're talking about clear turquoise water. We're talking about palm trees. This place, let me tell you how intense this place was. They had dudes raking the sand because they wanted it to be like perfectly smooth and, and nothing, no trash or anything on it. It was just crazy. They had this thing where if you wanted anything, all you had to do was pick up the phone and they would bring it to you just like that. Uh, the first morning I woke up and there was a guy that brought hot coffee and a newspaper to my door how have I been doing it wrong all of these years? I did not know that someone could bring that to your door every morning, just like serve you that. It was just crazy. And we were eating at all these restaurants that they had like on site there. And it was, I, I was like, I, this is great. And it, there was just, every time you would look around, you'd say, wow, wow, look at that. Wow, what is going on here? This is great. But something really, really interesting happened as we progressed throughout this week. On Monday, it was wow. Like every time I opened up the curtains and you look back and that's your view, wow. Every time that doorbell rang and there was somebody there bringing you hot coffee and, and desserts and anything that you could possibly imagine, I was like, wow, this is really great. Well, Tuesday came and, and we had a good time and Wednesday and, and then Thursday and then Friday and Saturday rolled around. And it was interesting that the further along in the week that I got, uh, the, the more lackluster all of this stuff became. Right when I, when I woke up in the morning on Friday and I opened up the curtains to the back deck, I didn't say "Wow" like I did on Monday. I was like, "Ah, oh, there's the ocean again." Right? It's, it's no big deal. Like I had seen it Sunday or Monday morning and Monday night, Tuesday morning and Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, Thursday the same thing. I saw the same beach. I saw the same water. I saw the same miniature pool. Uh, I saw the same guy bringing coffee and bringing desserts and bringing food every morning to the point to where Friday morning he knocks on the door and, and comes in and I'm just like, just, just put it over there, just on the counter or whatever, like we'll get to it later, uh, thanks. Uh, Friday afternoon we had to go somewhere and, and I just I, I opened up the sliding glass door and Elizabeth was out there next to the pool and I just yelled at her, I was like, hey, you know, we got to leave in about 30 minutes, just giving you a heads up. I didn't even look at the ocean, like I didn't even look, I didn't even know it was there anymore, I'd seen it so much. It just kind of, I just kind of got used to it. And that may be a crazy thing. You may think, I'd like to give that a try. I bet I would not get used to it. Like, I'd be willing to bet. Uh, but just overexposure to things, what, what at one point becomes really, wow, 
over time can become ho-hum. It can become the norm. It can become just a, a regular, everyday occurrence for us. And that's my fear as we do something like communion this morning. I do not want this to be just a regular religious ritual that we participate in. Just like we sing a song, just like we have a video, just like we open up our Bibles, just like we have announcements, just like we get our coffee, just like we come in and sit in the same seats almost every Sunday, just like so much of what we can do in our lives can become routine. I don't want this to be one of those things. That's why when we do communion, we don't just tag it on to the end of a service. We dedicate an entire service to it. It's, it's not something that we do very often because I don't want it to become a ritual of routine and just, oh, communion. Ah, the bread. Ah, the cup. Ah, Jesus died on the cross. No, no big deal. He preached about that last week and the week before and the week before. And so as we focus in this morning on a very special time that we as a church look forward to, I want to warn you against this becoming a ritualistic religious routine. Uh, if your mind is to the point right now where you're saying, ah, communion again. Okay, it must be the second quarter of the year because we do it every quarter. Uh, maybe you're thinking about the times that you've done it maybe at other churches and you've heard sermons preached on it or, or you've come up here and gotten the piece of bread and gotten the cup. I, I want to warn you, please don't let this be routine. Please don't let this just be just another Sunday, just another time that we talk about Jesus, just another time that we read in the Gospels about his death for you and I. So I want to I challenge you on that and I want to give you four. There's four directions that I want to look at. This morning, four ways that I want us to focus on to prevent us from making this a routine, to, to prevent us from, from this being a religious ritual that we just kind of, just everybody stand up, everybody come to the front, grab your, grab your bread, grab your juice, Nathan prays, talks, and we drink it, and then we leave, and no big deal. Four directions that we're going to look at today, it's backward, forward, inward, and outward, Backward, forward, inward, and outward. And I want to read out of Luke chapter 22. This is one of the accounts of this Last Supper, this communion meal that Jesus celebrated with his followers. And we're going to see these different areas that God has called us to focus on so that we will not look at this meal and just say, eh, same old, same old. Here's what he says in Luke 22, verse 14. He said, when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he, Jesus, said to him, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover, this last supper, with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance for me. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Communion is a great opportunity for us to stop and look backward. Jesus looks at his apostles and says, hey, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Look back at what this day and what my life stood for. Some of the greatest stories that I ever hear or that I have the chance to tell all start out with this same one line. Remember the time when... 
Right? You ever heard a funny story like that? Like if you got if you got crazy friends, you can sit down and say, Hey, you remember that time that so and so got their eyebrow buzzed off or it takes six weeks to grow back? Or you remember that time that we did that crazy thing and we all got arrested? And remember that time when that person caught us doing this? And like I love those types of stories because a group of people can come around and remember something that happened. It it means that something crazy, something funny, something very memorable happened that we can all kind of get around the table and say, Hey, remember that that time that this happened, Jesus instructs his disciples, his followers, you and I, to take communion as the opportunity to say, hey, remember that time? Remember that time when, when Jesus died for you and me? You guys, you guys remember that time when Jesus was crucified, when his body was broken and his blood was spilt? Remember that time that we were once lost, but now we are found? Remember that time when we were blind, but now we see? Remember that time when we were deaf spiritually, but now we hear? Remember that time Jesus sacrificed his life for you and for me? That's what Jesus is instructing us here. Take a moment and look backward. Look in that direction. Remember the sacrifice that was given to you. Remember what Jesus did for you. Remember the result that happened because he ultimately gave this sacrifice. You and I now have reconciliation to God. You and I now have salvation by just believing in Jesus. Scripture says to just believe in the one that God sent, that your sins would be forgiven, that your eternity would be altered, and that you would begin to live a life of fulfillment starting right now. And this is a time to look back on that. This is a time just to stop and think about specifically what Jesus did. See, the gospel is good news. The very fact that Jesus died, gave his life for us, and we get to celebrate this right now, that is good news. Like, don't miss sight of that. It's not good history. It's not good past facts. It's not just something good that happened a long time ago. It is good news. It was good news. Like, it's good news, right? This is good news, what we're celebrating today, the fact that Jesus died, the fact that you and I have salvation and hope and reconciliation to God through what we're going to celebrate today. But you'll lose that if you don't stop and look back. If you don't take a moment just to kind of pause and think about what Jesus has already done. So please don't let this become routine. Please don't let this just be normal, everyday, average church time together. But take a moment to think back. Is it still wow for you? When you look at this and when you hear this story, is it still wow? Like, if not, we're going to help you get your wow back this morning, right? I hope we can put the wow back in the story of how Jesus' body was broken for you and how his blood was spilt for you by taking a moment and looking backwards at the incredible gift of sacrifice. Take a moment this morning, right now, to look backward and remember what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus has done for me as we look at this table together. The second thing that we gotta do, not only look backwards, but we look forward. Jesus kinda gives a little precursor to something that's gonna happen in these verses. In in verse 16, uh, he says, for I tell you I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Speaking of the bread, in verse 18 of the cup, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Jesus was saying, hey, disciples, I'm going to take this meal with you today. It's going to be my last supper, but I will not take it again until I return. 
I will not take it again until I am here back on earth. I will not take it again. There was this sense of anticipation with Jesus. There was something he was looking forward to. He says, guys, the next couple of days are going to be rough, but I want you to remember to look forward knowing that I'm coming back. I was with my grandmother this weekend hanging out with her, and there's something, I don't know if my, your grandmother's like my grandmother, but anytime we eat at my grandmother's house, she always have dessert. Like, I don't know, that's just why I love my grandmother so much, maybe. Um, but, uh, so we're, we're eating, and she, in, in her typical servant heart, she begins to clear the table uh, after we ate, and she picks up the plates and the knives and the, the spoons, and, and she picks up all the dirty glasses. And, and if you try to put your fork on the plate, she's going she's gonna to remind you, she's, she's told me many times, Nathan, keep your fork. Now, here's the deal. That's code language right there, if you don't know, if you've never been to my grandma's house before. Code language, keep the fork, means there is something good getting ready to come out those kitchen doors. You do not want to be stuck without a fork, right? I know when my grandmother tells me, keep the fork, there's some dessert that's getting ready to bust out the kitchen, and we're getting ready to get after it, all right? So when she tells me that, like, I know there's something good to look forward to. Something good is coming that I need to be ready for. In essence, Jesus looks at his disciples at the end of this meal and says, Hey, guys, I want you to keep your fork because you need to be ready for something. I'm returning. I'll come back one day, and we will enjoy this meal again. And Scripture says on that day, every tear will be wiped away. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. And Jesus will be alive, risen, reigning, and returning one day. Guys, that's good news. That's something to look forward to. As we think about this meal, not only do we think about how Jesus' body was broken, but we are reminded to look forward to the promise of the day that he will return. Keep your fork because something good is coming your way. We look backwards, we look forwards, and then we look inward. Community or communion is a, is a great time for us to do kind of a self-evaluation time. Um, Chase uh, led us through that song. It's, it's basically a love letter from God. Man, when you think about how much Jesus loves you, what he's done for you, and we are reminded of that, it's a great time, communion, to, to just reflect on that truth, to kind of do some inward soul searching, to look at your life, to look at your heart, to look at the things that are in it, and ask yourself some, some tough questions. Are there things in my life that I need to come clean about? Do I, need to, do I need to spend some time confessing and repenting of my sins before God? As I remember the sacrifice that was given through this observance of the meal, do I need to, have I taken some time to stop beforehand to, to get this off of my chest, to get this out of my life? See, here's what this meal symbolizes. You, you can't have both. You can't have sin and communion at the same time because here's the deal. Sin is understanding that you're a slave to it, that you need forgiveness, that you're broken, that you're busted up, that there are things in your life that are keeping you away from God. But communion says there's freedom, there's salvation, there's forgiveness. So you can't come. See, Scripture says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 11, verse 27, it says this, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. Let a person look inward then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. See, here, here's where it doesn't work. Communion is about freedom. It's about salvation. It's about the fact that your sins are forgiven. You can't celebrate that while holding on to the very thing that keeps you enslaved. 
You can't say, yes, salvation and freedom from sins, and I've got a bunch of stuff that I'm a slave to right now. You can't say, man, Jesus freed me from all of that. Jesus offers that to me. Jesus gives that to me through the sacrifice on the cross. I don't even have to deal with my own sin, and then here's a bunch of sin in my life that I'm dealing with. You can't have both. So scripture says, before you celebrate forgiveness, ask it. Spend some time confessing your sin to God. Before we make a big proclamation about freedom in Christ, make sure that you haven't enslaved your own life to sin. Confess that to God. That begs a big question. What's going to happen when you tell God that you've messed up? What's going to happen when you admit that? Like, is God going to freak out? Is he just going to lose it and blow his top? Is he just going to throw a lightning bolt in you? Like, what if he finds out that you've messed up? What's going to happen? Scripture actually gives us a great example of what God is going to do, how God responds when broken people like me and you come to him and confess our sins. 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, then God is going to lose his mind and be really upset and mad at us. No. If we confess our sins, then he is going to be really surprised that we messed up and he's going to be heartbroken that we're not perfect. No. Scripture says if we confess our sins, then God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We already know what's going to happen. If we'll confess, God gives forgiveness. If we bring our sins in front of God and lay them at the feet of the cross, all of our unrighteousness is wiped away. There's no worry, there's no fear, there's no uncertainty, there's no anxiety over what is going to happen when you approach God and confess your sins to Him. In fact, Scripture says, take a moment to look inward in your life, to purify your heart, to seek this forgiveness that Jesus offers as we begin to celebrate an incredible meal just like this. The last one is outward. We look backward, we look forward, we look inward and we look outward. The verse right there before in verse 26 in in 1 Corinthians 11 says this, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now the Greek word for proclaim is to preach, right? So he's saying every time you do this, you are preaching a sermon. Preaching is not private. Preaching is not personal. Preaching is outward. Preaching is a message that we share with people. So this is not just a personal thing between you and God. This is not just a personal, private thing that no one knows about, no one else cares about. We don't share it with anyone else. No, in, by definition, in essence, he says we are proclaiming something every time we eat this bread and we take this cup. I gotta, I gotta tell you, if you've got a secret of some good news, do not tell me because I, I cannot keep it in. I'm the worst secret keeper in the world. I will find someone to tell it to. All right, so I don't know what it is. Like, you ever, you ever got some good news and you just, it just feels like you're about to pop? Like you just want to tell somebody? Uh, this was my childhood right here to the point to where my mom would deceive me uh, in telling me secrets. Here's the story. Uh, my mom would buy my dad Christmas presents, and I would ask my mom, what did we get dad for Christmas? And she would tell me. But here's the deal. She would make something up that she did not buy him because she knew ahead of time that I was going to run and go and tell my dad. So they, that's between her and God. She's going to have to figure that one out. Uh, I love her. Uh, we're all sinners, right? Okay, so here's what she would say. She'd say, Nathan, I got your dad a pair of socks. And uh, I'll say, okay, all right, that's going to be perfect. So I'd go up to dad and say, hey, dad, I'm really, really stoked about your Christmas present. I'm going to give you a hint. I can't tell you what it is, but I'm going to give you a hint. You wear them on your feet, and they're not shoes. I can't tell you what it is because mom told me not to. 
But that's the good news. I can't wait for you to open it up. Christmas morning would roll around and my dad would get a big, big box. I mean, that doesn't look like a pair of socks. He would open it up and pull it out and it would be a shirt. And there would be a, just a look of betrayal on my face as I looked to my mom. I was like, Mom, you told me we were going to get him socks. I've been dropping hints about socks. That doesn't look like socks to me. And she would just flat out tell me, Nathan, I know that if I told you what we got him, you would run and tell him. So I told you something different. Again, between her and God, like, that's fine. Like, Mom, whatever. But I can't handle it. Like, good news, I just can't handle it. See, this is, this is good news for us. When Jesus dies for our sins, that's good news. It's not just a good past. It's not just good history. It's good news. When, when, when a sacrifice is given on, on my behalf and on your behalf, when we have freedom in Christ, when we have salvation, when we are reconciled to God, that is good news. And just like every piece of good news, it is not meant to be just contained and swept under the rug and kept to ourselves. It's meant to proclaim. It's meant to share. This very communion is proclaiming good news that a world desperately needs to hear, that a world is dying every day. There are people where you live, work, play, eat, and shop that need to hear the gospel. You have friends and neighbors and co-workers and family members that are ready to receive the good news that you know, that you have been entrusted with, that we are going to celebrate today. But here's the deal. It's up to you and I to proclaim the message of Jesus. Why? Because communion is outward. John 3.16, as Chase quoted earlier, says God so loved the world that he gave his son. Why did he do this? Because he loved the world. Not just me, not just you, not just Christians inside the room. God so loved the world that he gave. Well, how's the world going to know? We're going to tell them. We're going to tell them. I think there's a really interesting verse in 2 Peter. This church was coming up to Peter and saying, Jesus told us he was going to return. Jesus said he was coming back why isn't he here? Where's he at? It's been a few months now. It's been a few years since he died. Is he coming back? Was he lying? Is this truthful? Why hasn't he returned yet? And in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, this is, this is Peter's response to the church. He says, God is patient towards you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to have the opportunity to change their hearts and lives. Scripture says this, Jesus is actually waiting to return because God has commissioned the church with his mission to deliver it to a world that desperately needs it. Did you know that the big reason why we are still here on earth, that we are still in this room right now, while we are still singing, while we are still studying the Bible, while we are still celebrating communion, did you know the reason why we are in here, Scripture says, is because there are still people out there that don't know Christ yet? Did you know that? Man, what does that do to a sense of urgency in our lives? Hey, if it were all about just you giving your life to Jesus, then he would have already beamed you up to heaven. Right? But it's not that. It's not just about one person experiencing life change. Jesus says, now I want every person on earth to have the opportunity to hear the gospel and to turn towards Jesus, to experience salvation, to experience freedom. And I'm convinced that the main reason we're still in here is because you have friends out there that have not yet believed. And so as we take this, this ought to spark a catalyst in our life. This ought to remind us, if Jesus can forgive me, then he can forgive them. 
If Jesus can change my life, then he can change other people's lives. If, if Jesus came to save us, then Jesus came to save others as well. And it's our responsibility, it's our action as a result of this meal to be reminded. We look backwards and knew what Jesus did for us. We look forward and anticipate his return. We look inward and confess our sins to him. And he, will, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And now we leave here with an outward message to proclaim with a message that says, this is who Jesus is, this is what he's done for me, this is how he's changed my life, and guess what? He's doing the same for you. Scripture says all you gotta do is just believe in the one that he has sent. We got a great message to proclaim, but it's gonna take us having a mentality and an observation here that this service, this communion, has an outward effect on our lives as well.